Maybe you're here this morning and you desperately need hope. I'm excited that you're here because I know the Lord offers hope through Jesus, and it was incredible to hear how God restored your hope, Maggie, in the middle of some very difficult days that I cannot imagine uh, how hopeless that feels. And so we thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for God's faithfulness to you. Uh, If you will open in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, that's where we continue in our study this morning, Luke chapter 8, and uh, we come to what's often referred to as the parable of the sower, parable of the soils, a lot of different names for it, but we're going to uh, see what God has uh, for us this morning. And as we do, we see it's all about the difference between listening and hearing, and and if if you've been a parent, you know the difference between listening and hearing. And that is when you tell your child, make your bed, well, I'll just give up on that example because we gave up on that ever happening. In fact, we gave up on making our own bed, so we didn't set that example in the home. So if you told your child, do your homework, and they just kind of looked up and kept going, and then later you say, I said, do your homework, and then they look at you and you keep going, and finally you said, I said, do your homework, and they say, I heard you. And then you say, well, then, what? make your bed or whatever I said do your homework well then do it if you really heard me then you will show that by doing what I said that's the difference between hearing and listening right hearing is I hear the audible words they make sense I've processed the information but that's much different than listening listening to what I say means you actually heard process it and then you did it and that's the evidence that you truly are listening when you hear it and you do it. And that's really what Jesus says today as we come to Luke chapter 8 in verses 1 through 21, the parable of the sower or the parable of the sowers. It's all about being a good listener. He says, hear, hear. Nine times he mentions the word hear. Look at verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, Jesus says, he tells the parable so that hearing they may not understand. Verse 11, the one, or verse 12, the one along the path are those who have heard and the devil came and takes it away. Verse 13, when they hear the word and receive it with joy. Verse 14, they are those who hear but go on their way. Verse 15, it fell among the thorns. They are those who hear but they go on their way. Verse 18, take care then how you hear. Verse 21, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. Lord, I pray that you will give us ears to hear you this morning, to listen to you, to truly hear what you say and obey. Father, that's a miracle gift You tell us through Paul's writings that there is a spiritual need for for you to give us ears to hear that we can't understand apart from you. So Lord, I pray that your spirit will give all who hear the word of God this morning, whether it's in this service or online, Lord, I pray that you would give ears to hear, that we would hear what you say and apply it in our lives for your glory and for our good. And it's in Jesus' glorious name we pray, amen. So Jesus is telling this parable, and this morning if we've come for hope, then here is how to have hope in Jesus. And let me just read the parable to you, and then we'll look at it. In verse 4 of chapter 8, 
He says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, pause for a minute, he says, there is a massive crowd gathering. The way Luke writes this is town after town, this crowd is growing and growing and growing. And we have been identifying with the crowd all throughout Luke's writings. The crowd is a mixture of people at different places of life. Some are truly committed to follow Jesus Christ. They've left everything and they're followed Christ. That's the immediate 12 that we see Luke has called, Jesus has called his immediate 12 disciples but every time Jesus teaches to those 12 he does it in the listening of the greater crowd which puts people in all kinds of places some are sincere some are skeptical some are just trying to chart out how to destroy him some are really genuinely seeking and have questions and what Jesus is saying to us what God is saying to us through this message is you want to hear, here's how you have hope in Christ. And so he tells a parable, verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse 6, and some, some seed fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew. It grew and yielded a hundredfold, a massive yield of fruit. As he said these things, Luke, Luke says, As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him, What? This parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So Jesus tells a parable to his followers with the listening within earshot of the crowd so that they can hear. And in this last part of the verse, he says, I'm speaking in parables intentionally so that hearing they may not understand. What in the world is Jesus doing? Jesus is not intentionally trying to make it where people can't understand. What Jesus is saying is, I'm speaking in parables so that those who truly care, those who truly want to hear, will have to consider what I'm saying to understand the point of the message. What he's saying is, if you want to hear, you can hear, but you have to genuinely want to hear. If you want to understand, you have to genuinely seek to understand. You have to genuinely say, I want to dig in here, and I want to do what the disciples did. The disciples said, Jesus, what does this mean? There are a lot of people there that day who heard Jesus and are going, do what now? But the disciples said, Jesus, please explain. They leaned in, they cared, they sought to consider what Jesus, they dug deeper to understand. And that's the way we must be. We must have a curiosity as we approach the word of God. If we want to understand what he's saying, we've got to be like the disciples. We've got to come to him and say, help me understand this. Is that where you are today? If you are lacking hope this Christmas season with all that's going on and you hear the word of God, those who truly want to know, want to have hope, want to understand, will lean in and seek to understand the word of God and ask God, would you give me ears to hear? Would you help me to understand? Jesus, what does this mean? So what does it mean? Before we look at Jesus' explanation, let me just make a few points that are just clear on the surface about the parable. First of all, notice there's one sower, 
He's generously just casting the seed of the seed for the, for the crop. He's not doing anything. There's not two sowers. There's not multiple sowers. This is not a study of how to sow seed. Then there's several different soils mentioned. But notice the only difference in the soil that's mentioned is that the results, the results of what happens when those seeds land on those soils. So this is not a parable about how to study the seed, I mean the soil. It's not about analyzing the soil and deciding where to cast seed the word of God. This is not, hey, who do I share the gospel with? I want to make sure I only share it with those who are receptive. That's not the point. The point is the only thing that's really standing out is there is there's only one good soil, but that soil is only called good after it has been mentioned that it produces a tremendous yield of fruit. That's the point. The point of the parable is the the soil that produces good fruit, that's the good soil, i.e. produce good fruit with what you hear. And so he begins to explain it, and we're going to pull four attributes of a good listener from this parable. Please write these things down. Get your phone out, take notes, because I'm going to get very practical. I'm going to mention very practical resources that I hope you will take home with you, especially as it relates to how to be a good listener to God's word. I'm not talking about just being a good listener to your parents, though that's very important, but how to be a good listener. And the way God speaks primarily to us is through the word, the very idea of it's called a word, God's word to you. The best way to listen to the word of God is to read it. And so really four attributes of a good reader of God's word, four attributes of a good listener to God's word. The first is number 1, a good listener hears God's word and does what? All right, y'all going to wake up. Let's try that again. A good listener hears God's words and All right, let's try it one more time. Believes it. What do we do? Here's God's word. Believes it. What's for lunch? I got it my grocery list. I got so many Christmas presents to buy. So bear with me here. Let's try it again. A good listener hears God's word and believes it. That's it. So look at verse 11. Where do we get this from? Jesus says, now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So he's explaining to us, okay, the casting of the seed is the word of God. The one, the seeds that fall along the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Let's stop there. So immediately we see the need for faith, the need to believe the word of God as we read it. This begins with the gospel word of God. The word of God at the Christian message, the Christmas message, that God took on flesh. He left his perfect domain in heaven. He took on flesh, entered into our own world of sin and struggle and temptation, yet he did everything we could not do. He was sinless. He perfectly obeyed the will of God. Therefore, he was the infinitely holy sacrifice of God. He died on the cross voluntarily to give the perfect sacrifice, the only acceptable sacrifice that God demanded for our sin. And he promised when he rose from the grave that he would come again. And for those who 
hear that word, that gospel word, those who hear that and believe it, trust in God's promise about Jesus, they are saved. They may believe and be saved. They get credit for Jesus' perfections, though they themselves are not perfect. And that's the message of the word of God in totality, that God gives us salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you receive that with faith? If so, then you are saved. But notice it's a binary choice. Notice that there's two responses here. We receive, we, it's, it's God's word is spoken. It presents reality according to God. And we are faced with a binary choice. We either align ourselves, realign ourselves with that reality. The salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe God and I, I are therefore saved or we believe Satan. It's that Clear. It's a binary choice. The Bible makes it clear there are two choices. Either believe and align yourself with God, or you believe the lies and deception and the, 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 the twisting of truth of Satan, and you're aligning yourself with him. And I think too many times those who are in the middle like to think that there's some prettier middle ground, and that's not the way it's presented in the scriptures. We clearly are either going to believe God or we're going to believe the devil. The devil's very job, his very purpose, his very reason, and his very M.O. is to twist and twist the truth so that we don't believe and therefore we forfeit our opportunity for salvation. So you must not believe the lies of the devil who's out to deceive you and lead you to destruction and allow him to steal your salvation. He can't steal it without your approval, without your permission. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. So I know it sounds a little bit like, well, man, that poor person didn't have a chance because the devil stole the seed. No, it's a parable, and we know from the scriptures that you have a genuine command in scriptures that God genuinely commands you, the onus is upon you to believe. You must Choose, will you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved, or will you believe the lies of Satan and forfeit your salvation, i.e. allowing Satan to swoop in and steal the seed, steal your salvation from you? It's in your power to decide. It's not apart from God's grace. He, only, he enables it, but you, the Bible presents it in a way that you just need to worry about your role. Anyone who seeks to understand and believe will be saved. I love Mark 9, 29, where a father is struggling to believe what Jesus says. So he cries out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that was enough for Jesus. A good listener hears God's word and does what? Believes it. Now, practically, how do you apply this? Well, I would say begin by prayerfully reading the Gospel of Luke. Luke says, I want you to have confidence. I want you to believe and be certain of these things. And so I would say read the Gospel of Luke over and over and over and over, praying, God, give me faith. God, help me hear your message. God, give me faith to believe. If you're struggling to believe and you just sit in isolation and you open your book and you say, I don't know if any of this is true, and you just plop it down on the counter and you never look at it again, well, that's on you 
He says, he who has ears to hear, she who has ears to hear, will dig in and seek to truly know the truth, and Jesus will explain it and give you faith. So which are you? Are you sincerely seeking to understand the word of God and to know its truth? We'll prayerfully read the Gospel of Luke over and over this Christmas season. What a beautiful time to do it. A good listener hears the word of God and believes it. Another thing you can do very practically is if you're struggling to believe, I found one of the greatest things I did. There's many reasons we may struggle. I really found my faith just skyrocket when I really understood how we got the Bible. So John Selhammer wrote a little bitty, not easy to understand, but a little bitty booklet called How We Got the Bible. And it just rocked my world with confidence. How we got the Bible. This isn't just some... There's, anyway, I don't have time to go into detail. How We Got the Bible by John Selhammer. That's a great little resource. Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. If, you, if you're struggling, you need a little help, read the little book or the book Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. Or Tim Keller wrote, a, not a little book, a deep book called Reason for God by Tim Keller. Or you may like The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Or how we got the Bible, I already, wrote that, already mentioned that, by John Silhammer. So there's a lot of good resources out here in our bookstore. There's good resources. If you are struggling to believe, you have to dig in if you really want to grow in your faith. A good listener hears God's word and believes. Second, a good listener hears God's word and what? Nice. Thank you, Candace. You get a gold star. Is that you? I was right. I know I recognize your voice. A good listener hears God's word and develops roots. If you plant a seed, it has to take root. Look at verse 13. And the ones, the seed on the rock, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and then a time of testing, they fall away. So this is kind of the second stage of discipleship in your walk with Christ, that you, you hear the word of God, you come to faith, you believe in Jesus, and there's a joy, and then there's this taking root season that should take place in your life. A plant needs those roots so that when testing comes, when storms come, they're not uprooted. My wife and I were excited to to plant some landscaping around our back patio, and we lost some plants when storms came because they didn't quite have their roots in deep enough, and they were uprooted. Well, in life, the same happens, that you you can have this initial stage of excitement, but it must be followed with rooting yourself deeply in the Word of God. We don't just believe Jesus to get out of hell and to say, okay, I'm a Christian, and and that's it. That is such a surface-level experience that will not withstand the testing and the trials of life. And we want to help you deepen your roots, and that comes through time in the Word. The Word of God explains a whole worldview, how to make sense of this world who God is, what he is doing, his purposes, his plans, and how they're unfolding, and where you are, how you fit into that, and how to make sense of suffering and difficulty. The word of God has answers 
for you that will bring sense. I promise you one of the reasons that have gotten me through any dark times in my life, like Maggie shared, was that I said, like Peter, where else will I go? Nothing else makes more sense of this world and the experience we have than this one single, clear, coherent message that genuinely has answers, but it only came as I studied the word of God. And so if you want to be strong, as we saw in the parable of the man who built his life on the sand or the foundation, the one who obeys the word of God, who knows the word of God, and understands that it goes from deeply rooting themselves in the word of God, they are the ones that are strong. And when the storms come, they'll be strong and they won't be uprooted. As we, we, as we read, we pray like David in the psalm, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. A good listener hears God's words and develops roots. How do you do that very practically? Ray Galatee says, hear, H-E-A-R. Hear the word of God. Here's a very practical how-to. When you open the word of God, get a reading plan, read through Luke. Just read a section. And then H stands for Highlight. As you start, say, Lord, help me, speak to me. Highlight, H, highlight something that jumps out at you. E, explain. It takes a little skill to start to understand, but think about it as a book, as a letter. The author has an intent. What is the author trying to say in the way that he wrote it? It's the flow of a letter. There's some very practical skill in reading the Bible like a book, is what is he saying in this flow of this letter to make sense of it? Explain what it's saying. What is he saying? Well, that's what God is saying to you. It's not some whatever God wants to say. That's what God is saying to you, what he said through the word. A is how does this apply? In other words, in your unique life, how does this punch you? Where does this hit you in the circumstances that you're in right now? As your circumstances change, it'll hit you different in different times of life. And then you write that down. And then R is respond. Write down how you're going to respond and do it. And you will deepen your roots week after week, day after day, week after week, month after month of hearing and obeying and responding to the word of God. And you will be rooted and grounded in the bedrock strong foundation of God's word. A good listener hears God's word and tends to weeds. So a good listener hears God, God's word and believes. A good listener hears God's words and develops roots. Third, a good listener hears God's word and tends to weeds. If you plant a plant in the ground and you get past the point where it's actually developed some root system in there, what happens if you just walk away? You see, I like that part. I like new. I like all the new stuff. I like plant. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And now I'm like, Dana, it's yours now. And she's, I was like, you like tin and weeds? She goes, I don't like tin and weeds. I just like it more than you like it. I'm like, okay, I don't like it at all. But what happens if you don't tend to the weeds as they grow? Weeds crowd out the root space, stunting the growth. Weeds compete for the plant's food. They block the sun. They steal the water. They crowd out the plants. They introduce disease into the plants. They, they serve as homes to foreign insects. In order for the seed to really grow and be healthy enough to produce fruit, it must not be competing with weeds. The same is true in your spiritual life. As a disciple, 
and you hear the word of God and you're studying the word of God and you're deepening your roots, weeds are gonna grow up. Well, what are weeds? Well, Jesus tells us a couple examples. He says the cares and riches and pleasures of life. So what we see is as we're trying to follow Jesus, we go through great times with excitement, the joy, and, and we're studying the word, and we're so excited about our new understanding and our salvation. And then as time goes on, busyness starts to happen, and so we stop reading the word as much as we did. We stop praying as much as we did. And so now the, the things of the world start to be more important, and they start to capture our hearts, and they start to steal the affections of our heart, and we start to worry about either we worry that we don't have money, or we're pursuing because we do have money or the world and things of this world start to capture the affections and, and our priorities and our heart changes. Those are weeds or, or a struggle of, of our flesh starts to be so important and so blinding that we can't, there's no more sunlight coming in and disease is taking over and we have to deal with those things. We have to be Constantly, how do we deal with those things? Well, we constantly have to be reviewing the gospel, reviewing our sin and the fact that God saved us despite our sin and the amazing truth that he gives us credit for his righteousness becomes the fuel, the flames, the fertilizer, and the weed killer. It's what we keep stirring the affections of our heart for God, what he's done for us, and that fuels us getting rid of idols, getting rid of false, of false idols that steal the love and affections of our heart. Now, how do we do that? Well, I think when you struggle with things, you have to learn the skill of how to deal with that in the word of God. And I wanna give you two very practical resources. First of all, biblegateway.com. That's a concordance. A concordance is you can look at a word and say, where is that word used in the Bible? If you go to BibleGateway.com, type in a word, it'll show you every verse that mentions that. Another very helpful tool that I use all the time is ccef.org. ccef.org. Nobody's writing down. I'm assuming you're all going to watch it online and write it down later or you have a better memory than me. Counts Christian Counseling Education Foundation, ccef.org. What do you do? You go there, it's a website, and you type in the search menu anything that you want, that you're struggling with. Lust, go. More resources than you could ever imagine. Free internet, video, written, or you can buy books, pamphlets, everything you could ever wanna know. Body image, type it in, things that aren't words in the scripture, but the topics are addressed. And brilliant, faithful, biblical disciples and theologians applying how the word of God addresses that struggle. That's how you deal with weeds. So a good listener to the word of God tends to the weeds that pop up in life. Finally, a good listener hears God's word and what? That's good, yes. Good listener hears the word of God, believes it. A good listener, let me review myself here. A good listener hears the word of God and develops roots. A good listener hears the word of God and tends to weeds. And now we'll say it together. A good listener hears God's word and does it. Does it, and that's the heart of this parable. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, 
They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And then he switches metaphors, but he continues to make the same point in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the resulting light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known, known come to light. Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Jesus is saying this, if you truly hear the word of God, it will show. You light a lamp in a dark room, it will show. If you plant a a tree that actually will grow and bear fruit, it will be obvious. A good listener hears God's word and does it. They hear it, they receive it in faith, They continue to deepen their roots to understand it and they continue to deal with struggles and they do it. They make a practice of doing it, obeying it. That's what God says. That's the very essence of what it means to be a disciple. Are you calling yourself a Christian? Are you calling yourself a Christian? Are you calling yourself a disciple? And yet you don't do it. Jesus, look what he says in verse 19. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And in verse 20 it says, and he was told, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to see you. Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. He uses this as a teaching opportunity. He says, look, those who are really the children of Jesus, those who are the children of God, those, are the, those who are really Christians, really disciples, are the ones that do what he says. This has been the message he's been pounding week after week. He says, listen, if you really are a disciple, you'll do what I say. Now, I've said it several times. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. I want you to hear me say that because... All of us come in here with mistakes. We, we've brought suffering, trials, tempt- ter- uh, struggles unto ourselves through bad decisions. Our life isn't what it should be because of that. And I'm not telling you that you're not a Christian. I'm telling you that it's about the direction of your life. If you are still seeking to obey God, that's what he's calling you to do. But if you're not and you're just giving it lip service, he's saying that's not what my children do. The essence of a disciple is one whose direction in life is to seek to obey Jesus week in and week out through all seasons, through all difficulties, through all experiences, deepening in the word of God and saying I want to obey Jesus. Is that who you are? Is that truly accurate description of who you are? That's how to have the hope of Christ during Christmas. Is truly believing him, taking him at his word, and seeking to apply it. A good listener hears God's word and does it. We believe it, develop the roots, tend the weeds, and do it. Father, I pray that this morning many will come to faith in you. And we'll take you at your word that salvation is found in no other man but Jesus, this one who was born in a manger to give us hope. 
I pray, Lord, that we will be a people who truly seek to be fruitful, to shine the light of Christ through our obedience. Lord, would you grant us ears to hear that we might truly obey you because it is for your glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we... uh...